from KMUW Wichita, from Toronto, Ontario, and from Armia, Spain. This is your saying it wrong. Let's talk words. Let's talk the re-Latinization of English words and how people a few hundred years ago caused us all sorts of headaches. I'm Fletcher Powell, host and producer at KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. And joining me as they do every week, the authors of an almost overwhelming number of books about the English language, Kathy Petrus from her home in Armia, Spain, and Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. Today we're hitting one of my favorite topics, which is how some people a long time ago decided that English needed to be more like Latin, and they just caused all sorts of problems that we're still dealing with. So I'm really looking forward to what we're talking about today. However, the two of you got uh, another angry email, uh, as we often do. Not angry at us, I hope. No, never. Angry at language. It was from Brian in Boston. And we want to say we, we, we actually feel his pain on this one. He wrote, okay, it's now February, and I keep biting my tongue to keep myself from correcting people when they say February. <laughs> it's February, I say in my head. You can't feel this, can't you? There's anguish here. Anyway, which leads me to my question. Why is it such an annoying pronunciation that drives people like me nuts? What's with that R? <laughs> so, so now, now, this is not necessarily to cast aspersions at Brian, but a big, because a lot of people are like this, and I think I am too. Rather than take the easier way, which would be just to start saying February, he wonders why <laughs> it's such an annoying pronunciation that he continues to get mad about other people mispronouncing. <laughs> I love our listeners. <laughs> I do. Well, first of all, though, I wouldn't be too angry. You could pronounce it. I mean, generally speaking, now you could pronounce it either way. February or February, and no one's going to give you a problem. And I was born in February, and <laughs> some of an expert on February pronunciation, and I pronounce it February. And a lot of people put the R, they put the R back in. Guess when? Kathy, do you want to tell us when? <laughs> They put it back in. We go back to those people who love Latin. Back in the day, when they decided, let's make it February. I say February, actually, though. I just want to interject. That's I'm interesting. And you were born in January, too. So you're different in that. I also pronounce a... January January. January. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, what happened with February was, or February, is it's originally, obviously, it, it does come from the Latin. And, but what happens in language over the years are sometimes letters get lost. In this case, if we, to be technical about it, it's called R deletion or R dissimilation. And we have it a lot. Like, how do you pronounce Fletcher? S-U-R-P-R-I-S-E. Surprise. Surprise, you do. You use the R. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay, what about the uh, leader of your state? The governor. You do again, okay? <laughs> what about that little guy that crawls around on leaves and becomes a uh, becomes a uh, butterfly? A caterpillar? Very good. Now look, you guys, I'm a Great Plains slash Midwestern kid. We don't do a lot of that R dropping, I don't think. That's really yeah. interesting. See, I drop them. I do too. I would say surprise, governor. I say governor. Right. Yeah. Kathy always says particular. I've heard you say particularly, that a lot, Particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly. Particularly. <laughs> okay. This one, I, I do say entrepreneur. That I do say. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Okay, it's your blank rogative. I say prerogative. 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 Yeah, we've. Yeah, that that one's a little funny because I kind of. I, I don't think I, I really clearly say the R, but I, I can feel I'm saying the mm-hmm. R. Does that make sense? Prerogative. It sort of just slurs into the next R. That's basically what happens with R deletion and R, R dissimilation. Basically, the sound gets gets kind of mushed and then it goes away. Okay. So basically, you're saying it's fine to say February. It's It's not as big a deal as a lot of people are making it out to be. But it's also fine to say February. Yes, mm-hmm. either way. Apparently now February is more spoken uh, than February. Oh, I'm I don't sure. know, but I've read that in several occasions. Some people have, have countered that, but I've read mostly February now. But actually, one flick, quick question, Fletcher. If you don't want to say February, if you want to go back to your native English, do you know the original name <laughs> that, was, that February replaced? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, this is the month of Saul Monath. Saul that Monath. is the traditional, the Anglo-Saxon term. It actually means the month of the hearth cakes. And there's some thought that Saul, uh, it might be referring to uh, cake in Old English. Others say Saul meant mud. So we have a little debate here. Mm. But I like Saul Monath. It sounds sort of cool. Oh, especially if cake is involved. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know the mud part. Uh, I don't know. Saul I don't know, Monath. Mud cake. Month of the hearth cakes. Ross, you said that this was uh, a result of people making English sound more like Latin, right? Right. And uh, lo and behold, that's what today's episode is about. Precisely. The Latin craze. Why certain words are spelled ridiculously. And we have, <laughs> thanks to a bunch of scholars who got a little too nutso about making things look look Latin. Okay. It happened um, during the English Renaissance. So it was around 1500 to about, what, 1650, Ross? A bunch, like thousands, tens of thousands, 10,000, 12,000 words entered English, the lexicon. These were like words that came directly from Latin, and they basically preserved the Latin endings, the Latin looking. I mean, they looked sort of like Latin. But then when they, they, then they started looking at the other words that came into English via the French, which also in turn came from Latin a long time earlier. And they decided to make these words change them back into looking like Latin. So basically everything. We have a mound, 10,000 words coming in right now, fresh from Latin. And then we have all these older English words that came via French. And we're making them go backwards and look just like the new Latin words that came in. Is that clear or not? I mean, it makes sense in that you've explained well what happened. I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense to me why they thought this was a good idea because we've been reaping the benefits ever pain. since. <laughs> pain. <laughs> we've been the reaping pain. The pain and anguish. <laughs> I, I mean, and honestly, you figure, I mean, everybody, it, it, we've talked a lot about how people misuse a lot of words currently because they want to sound erudite. They want to sound, as I always say, hotsy-totsy. It's really the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just like everybody thought Latin was cool, in effect. But it's also partly to be fair. I, I mean, it's also... The Renaissance was a, was a time of great striving and scholarship. I mean, th- medieval times had like had a certain you know obviously had a certain elite as well, but suddenly like the the world of the Greek the Greeks and the Romans is opening up. Suddenly there are new ideas. The Enlightenment will be coming not yet, but it'll be coming soon, and people needed new words. In some cases, the Latin actually um, 
was beneficial. But I don't think that that answers, though, the Latinization, the re-Latinization. The words coming from Latin is fine. I'm saying, but why change the spelling? I mean, I think that's the point. The re-Latinization, I completely agree with you. I was yeah. defending the new words coming into Latin. But even with the new words coming into Latin, there was some debate about it. And I, I really love this guy, uh, Ralph Lever, I think. He had the idea of why do we need all of these new Latin words anyway? He said, why don't we just change them into, into English? And he wrote, I think, the first or the second book of logic. And he called logic, instead of using a Latin word logic, he called logic wit. And he called, he said, why do we need definitions? We should have, instead of using the Latin word definition, we should, we should call the word say what. <laughs> in other words, combine words in English. So like, what's well, the say I don't what? Know. That seems like a little But that's what far. every other language, German does it. German combines Germanic words into, into, and that's what Latin does too. But Latin, he's saying, but why put together words we have no idea what they mean? We can do words that sound like what they mean. Say what I think instantly tells you what definition means. I have to throw a quick correction out. It's not, logic is witcraft, not just wit. Witcraft. I like that even more. Witcraft. Oh, not witcraft, witcraft is cool. Witcraft. I really like that. His name was Ralph Lever or Ralph Lever. And he had, for preface, he had forespeech, which I think makes a lot of sense. For saying, affirming something, you yay say. For denying <laughs> something, you nay say. Oh, which nay we say know. We still sort of nay use. say we use, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Fantastic. So what's the definition, what's the say what of nay say? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do now is we're going to give you a, this is a test, Fletcher. Oh, good. Okay. And we're going to ask you, which word was re-Latinized? Which of these three words that we're going to read you was changed the spelling to make it appear more Latin? Okay. I'm going to paste them in so you can also see them. Okay. The three first three words we have for you, indict, I-N-D-I-C-T, arrest, A-R-R-E-S-T, and convict, C-O-N-V-I-C-T. Okay. I'm going to guess because re-Latinizing something seems like it would cause us a problem later on. Arrest and convict are both pretty straightforward when you when you look at them, you say all those letters. Indict, however, has a silent C, which seems insane to me. So I'm going to choose indict. Brilliant. You got it, Fletcher. And I tell you something, this one just tripped up Marjorie Taylor Greene. On February the 1st, she was reading uh, and during her attempt to impeach the Department of Homeland Security secretary, and she said indictable for <laughs> indictable. There you go. Well, I mean, and, and you know, I can't be too upset because there's a C there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's funny, though. Kathy and I were talking about this, and that wouldn't, her misreading it really shocked me. Yeah, that's a word that I, you know, I, when I began, you know, learning English or whatever, I didn't know that it was re-Latinized, but I knew that that C was silent from when I was a kid reading the newspaper. So and so was indicted, and then you go, you know, mom, so and so was indicted, and she goes, it's indicted. Right. You know what I mean? It really shocked me that someone would not know that who's in government. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I pretty much agree with with that. Uh, you know, we we should know the word indict by now but how about this uh, and this is just a, a, a hypothetical i guess you come across that word you know let's say you know that indict 
I-N-D-I-C-T is, is pronounced indict. But you come across a word indictable, and maybe a small part of you thinks, since the word has changed a little bit, I wonder if that C goes back into there, it, like the C sound goes back into there. I'm trying to think of an example. Slam and phlegmatic. There you go. That's I'm, exactly I yes, right. Yeah. Exactly right. So there's a universe in which I could see a person going through those thoughts and then saying indictable. That's fair. Yeah. I think that's that's very nice of you. Also, I think to be really fair here, I mean, after we now we're done criticizing, you're reading it in a in a large speech and you're just you're not really thinking. You're just reading yeah, it. Sure. And it does have the C in there and you're just reading it, you know, as it's, you see it. You're not really thinking of the word. You're kind of just reading. I, I think that happens a lot. Well, that's like, I mean, an example of spelling pronunciation, which I, I agree with reading. I mean, I, every time I had to read anything without really thinking about what I was reading, you do have a tendency just to sound it out. Like your mm-hmm. brain is moving slower than your mouth, I think. And your brain really isn't defining the words. Your brain is focusing on sounding clear. Mm-hmm. So I think to be fair here, uh, after having said that, she very well may have known it, but just was repeating it. I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> but I mean, we should add that it was spelled initially indict without the C. It was spelled E-N-D-I-T-E, E-N-D-I-G-H-T, E-N-D-Y-T, and I-N-D-I-T-E. And here we go again. This it was the C was inserted to make it more Latinate. In dictare, yes. Wow. In Latin, Kathy's going to zap over to you the next batch here. Okay, these three words: ideal, I D E A L, perfect, P E R F E C T, or maybe it's perfect, and paragon, P A R A G O N. Which word was re-Latinized? I'm going to say ideal. It was ideal. That was a less than ideal answer. That is ideally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher, can you perfect your answer now? <laughs> I suppose I can. Mm-hmm. Is it perfect? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, what's going on here? This one I knew immediately because of Chaucer, because they would talk about the parfit, gentil, knicked. <laughs> uh, it's, it comes, it's a correction of the Middle English perfect, which was spelled parfit. P-A-R-F-I-T, in about the 1300s, which came from the old French. Which, though, came from the Latin. Ross, you can pronounce it because you're better than I. Oh, that's perfectus. Comes from the past participle of perficery, to accomplish, finish, complete. Hmm. Perficery, I don't care for. Well, talk to Romans. (laughs) But the C was put in to make it sound better. So we might have just been walking around saying parfit? Parfit. Mm -hmm. Huh. Or perfit. Uh, Actually, by the Middle English, it was perfect. Perfect, not par. And so, and yeah, so they switched over. They put the, the C back in. But in this case, it, I mean, it doesn't cause us a ton of problems. Um, I mean, we look at it and we say perfect or perfect, right? And, and there's that. So fortunately, that one at least didn't have ripple effects that lasted centuries. No, no, it, it did, did not. not. And it's easy to say perfect. Actually, it's funny. I prefer perfect to perfect. I, don't, perfect, I, I like how it sounds. Perfect. perfect sounds perfect. Perfect sounds kind of. See now, you know, I have a horrible weak. tendency to drop the T at yes. the end. You've heard me. I've you noticed guys you do that. Me. I say perfect a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got that from, but yeah. <laughs> so all right, <laughs> carry on, Kathy. <laughs> okay, moving ahead to another three words. You guys did a good job of collecting these together, and all, and also. Uh, 
making it not completely clear which one was the right answer. You guys, you guys did a good job with this quiz. We were using witchcraft. No. <laughs> <laughs> These three words: asthma, a s t h m a, bronchitis, b r o n c h i t i s, and breath, b r e a t h. I think the temptation here is to go for asthma, but I want to go for breath. Well. Sometimes that first uh, give correct. it to temptation, Fletcher. Uh, yeah. Give it really? it was asthma. <laughs> yes. It used to be spelled the way I think it should be spelled. A-S-M-A. Yeah, asthma. Asthma. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. Okay. That's <laughs> right there. But um they added the T and the H back in the 16th century to make it look cooler. Well, it it came from the Latin, but it came really via the Greek. But no one really knows mm. where the word comes from. Um, we just wanted to add um, also, because asthma, as Ross said, came from the Greek. <laughs> These are more fun with Greek spelling here. They also re-Greekified a few other uh, unpleasantries, like phlegm. Mm-hmm. Phlegm was initially spelled phlegm, F-L-E-M-E, which I like. I like F-L-E-M, personally. Mm-hmm. And, of course, diarrhea was uh, initially spelled like D-I-A-R-I-A rather than the in there. Okay, moving along. Fletcher, do you have your next batch? Okay, these three words. Receipt, R-E-C-E-I-P-T. Unkempt, U-N-K-E-M-P-T. And intercept, I-N-T-E-R-C-E-P-T. Now, again, going by that silent letter trick that I've gone with, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right, but I, I want to go with receipt with that silent P in there. Because who ever thinks there should be a silent P? Well done, Fletcher. Again, receipt was spelled R-E-C-E-I-T-E. But then they added the P to bring it in line with the Latin root recepta. Do you know what receipt used to mean, Fletcher? Well, and additional, I'm sure you do. The additional meaning of receipt? I can't think offhand, no. Well, what is what is some what do you do in the kitchen? You look at a well maybe you don't, but a lot of people do. <laughs> in the no, I don't know. I mean I probably do, but and you'll see old books will have a book of receipts and basically it's recipes as well. Prescriptions and recipes. I wanted to add one other thing that was interesting is with the P being added to receipt. Ross said it was spelled R-E-C-E-I-T-E. It was also added into conceit and deceit. Deceit. But it, it didn't last with the, the P's didn't stay in conceit and deceit. It's oh, only stayed wow. in deceit. For real. Although, stop guys for one interesting second here. Or for several interesting seconds. <laughs> deceit. <laughs> okay, what's the... Someone has deceived you. Deception. Deceptor. Yes. 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 Very well done, Kathy. I'm proud of you. I'm sorry I got excited. I didn't mean to yell. (laughs) Think how weird. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be. It would be as weird as receipt. But if we still had deceit and conceit spelled with a P. It's so funny, though, how your brain works, because I'm so used to seeing receipt with the P. It doesn't look strange. Right. But the idea of it in conceit is just like blows <laughs> yeah, my that, mind. That's why. You know? It's like, whoa. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay, I've got another quick question for you, Fletcher. Unkempt. Does that come from the Latin, do you think? No, no, definitely not. Well done. (laughs) Well done, Padawan. (laughs) Kath, you want to give them the the, the interesting history of unkempt? 
It comes from comb, the word that used to mean comb, a Middle English, Cambon, Old English, Cambon. <laughs> it goes way back. It just goes back. Proto-European. It's really old, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. And we all know that, of course, we've talked about in the past, I think, how there is such a thing as camped. It's just that that sort of died. Yeah, we just don't really use that anymore. Okay, next round. Yeah, this next set of words is going to be hard because all three of them have a silent letter. And so I'm not sure what to do with this. However, the first word on, well, let me just read the words. Okay, subtle, S-U-B-T-L-E, debt, D-E-B-T, and doubt, D-O-U-B-T. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk for a minute about the word subtle. I remember learning, I, I knew the word subtle, but I'd never seen the word subtle and also had those sounds associated with it, right? And so I remember reading a play in freshman year of high school, and I was reading it out loud with my girlfriend, and I said subtle, and she looked at me like I was a complete idiot, and uh, that relationship didn't work out. (laughs) But also, speaking of that, I I heard somebody not too long ago say the word uh, subterfuge, but they said sutterfuge. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I guess that's cool. I guess assuming that the B was silent in that word too. Isn't that interesting? That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I guess since I'm so hyper focused on the word subtle, I'll choose that one, but I truly have no idea which which one of these subtle debt or doubt is the one that was actually relatinized. Well, Fletcher, if let's say let's say you choose choose another word right now. <laughs> let's say you choose another one. Choose one more. <laughs> choose another like debt? Yeah. Or doubt. So you're telling okay. me all three. <laughs> wow, there you go again. Yes. This was a trick question. Yes. Ross, you gave that to him. Unfair. <laughs> I'm disowning you. Yes, all three BT words have the B added in. Subtle <laughs> used to be spelled S O T I L, Sotil. Wow. Then. uh, Debt was spelled a nice, happy D-E-T, which is nice and easy. And doubt was spelled D-O-U-T. Simpler times. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, though, they added the B in both French and English, but the French dropped it again. But we, mm-hmm. you know, English speakers kept it because why not? <laughs> yeah, because why <laughs> like, not? What? <laughs> like, what? Whatever. What <laughs> Actually, it's sort of interesting because I had a, a, a friend over last night who who's, uh, studies French and was a professor of it. He said that the French had, we were talking about the relatinization. And I didn't know this. Apparently, the French earlier had their own little bout of relatinization as well. Hmm. But it seems like Kathy is just saying they got rid of it. They were smarter than we were. They got rid of it, I guess, in a lot of cases. <laughs> they, thought, they thought better of it. You guys, this was not such a good idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving along to, I guess, a, a bunch of fish. One of these I don't know. But anyway, uh, salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, blenny. I don't know what a blenny is, B-L-E-N-N-Y, uh, and guppy, G-U-P-P-Y. First of all, what's a blenny? A blenny? Yeah. I really don't. (laughs) That's one of my favorite. I love it. I was quickly looking at it. I remember I knew it was a vague fish. (laughs) I will tell you right now, it is any of the numerous and diverse fishes of the suborder Bleniodii. Oh, They're mostly small, usually- Well, that cleared it all up, Ross. As far as I'm concerned, now I know. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) They usually reach a size of three inches in their bottom. Actually, I do know them now. We had an uncle who was a really big- um, fish guy, tropical fish. Uh 
And they're like these, and these little Uncle kind Louie of had blennies. Yes, I remember. <laughs> There's a picture of a of a fish that is Uncle Louie's blenny. I know it. I would like to say also that blenny. Now I'm looking it up. Comes from the ancient Greek blenos, meaning mucus or slime. Oh, <laughs> that's charming. This is kind of adorable, except for the mucus part. I'm going to go with salmon. S a s a l m o n salmon. Well, yeah, <laughs> this was a gimme. Yeah. This was a gimme, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's it's salmon because it, of the L, uh-huh. as you probably figured out. It was spelled Samoon, S-A-M-O-U-N, uh, in the ancient French. And But hold it. Now, in the old French, it still had the L sometimes, S-A-L-M-U-N. So. Mm-hmm. There's also a little bit of a, of a dispute about this because some say it might have been the Latin may have actually originally come from the Celtic. So we never will know. Actually, there's, I'm going to throw something else out. I didn't know this until we did this. Guppy comes from the name of R.J.I. Guppy, who was a, a British-born Trinidadian clergyman <gasps> who found apparently the first specimen, although there's some dispute about that right now. Wow. R.J. Lechmere. I like Lechmere, Ross. You didn't put that R.J. Lechmere Guppy. But it's an old... <laughs> But it's also an old, apparently the Duppies, the Guppies are an old Dorset family. It's apparently a major family and it comes from the French. I didn't know any of this. It's, it was really interesting though. And it comes from, the, I mean, the name is a French, it's a French name, Goupé or something like that. Whatever. He went to Trinidad and discovered the fish. Now the Guppy. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Guppy. <laughs> this is, a, okay. I'm just going to, this is actually not, there's no quiz. Pronounce this. <laughs> Pronounce it and tell us why. why? <laughs> I'll just spell it to you, Fletcher. V-I-C-T-U-A-L. This, I think, I think this is pronounced Vittle. Very yes! good. Yay! <laughs> okay, this word drives us both up the wall. It's, as we said, it's spelled with a C, victual, it's spelled as, but it's pronounced, it has been and always has been pronounced vittle until apparently modern times when people see the word and they pronounce it victual. And this is a personal problem I had years back. There was a uh, demonstrator for Canadian uh, British shipping. They were doing a realistic, everything is going to be real. This is how British sailors live. And the guy said that one of the demonstrators said, if anyone has anything to correct, please let us know because we're trying to be as realistic as possible. So he said, now we're getting ready for the victuals. I'm doing a very bad, uh-huh. I can't do a good British accent. So at the end of the show, I came uh, at the end of the demonstration, I said, just one thing, you know, wonderful, etc. But actually it used to be pronounced Vittle. He goes, sir, it's spelled V-I-C-T-U-A-L. <laughs> It's victual. So, you know. <laughs> That's the point, Ross. You should have had a glove and slapped his face and said, you know, pistols at dawn. You know? <laughs> well, thanks, Kathy, for that. <laughs> well, but quickly, speaking of pistols, you know, a lot of times now you'll see vittles spelled v-i-t-t-l-e-s when when it's like some you're reading some western or something right it's allowed right. now though actually it's yet another case like we were talking about earlier it's an alternative spelling mm-hmm. which i think it should be yeah I, I agree and all like if you were reading you know a western and you saw v-i-c-t-u-a-l wouldn't that seem like i don't know less authentic than if you saw it spelled v-i-t-t-l-e 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, isn't that weird? You I mean, your cowboys are sitting around with their beans. Those are vittles. Right. They're not, they're, victuals. They're not victuals, <laughs> even though it's pronounced vittles either way. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> no, I always think of boiled possum or something like that when they say vittle. Yeah, it's like you know, it could be any food. Those guys would never spell it V-I-C-T-U-A-L, even though they're not spelling no. it for you. They're just saying it in, in dialogue in a book. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't have vittles with your whiskey or whatever, your red <laughs> eye, you know? <laughs> You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Network and is produced in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas, by me, Fletcher Powell. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Armia, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Torin Anderson composed our theme music, and our digital team is Beth Golay, Kate Hutchins, and Carly Cooper. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. You can find all of their books pretty much anywhere you get books, and a handful of them are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. This is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me. And I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on the Black experience. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.